welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is Sarah Hart Unger, and you have found the podcast where we talk about all things planning related and planning adjacent. Today's episode is a Q&A episode, and I'm very excited about this batch of questions. I also have to say I've been thrilled. I uh, did a little call out for questions on Instagram. And now I have a lovely collection of varied questions related to planning that I can scatter amongst the following episodes, plus have a great Q&A episode every month. So keep them coming. I'll put out more, more calls in the future, but I was really, really happy with the response. So thank you so much if you submitted a question. Today is also the very first Best Laid Plants episode that has a sponsor. I'm going to tell you more about that sponsor mid-episode, so stay tuned. But thank you so much to Lonnie Inlander from Real Lifestyle for sponsoring this episode. And you're going to hear more about what she has to offer in about 10 minutes, so stay tuned. First, we're going to dive into our questions. Question number one. Hi, Sarah. I am a longtime leader, reader and listener and love Best Laid Plans. Thank you. You are the perfect person to give me advice. I recently started back at a job after many years away as a, a lawyer handling a large volume of cases. I'm guessing this is a little similar to your work where you have work days that you can write in your planner, but within each work day, you have numerous patients you see and information and to-dos for each of them. It's immediately clear to me that I need some separate system for managing my caseload. I have to schedule next court dates and hearings with a variety of follow-up tasks for me to do, like making phone calls, getting documents, or doing research. I should mention that in the time I've been away from my job, a major change is that all of our internal case files have gone paperless, so I have a work-issued laptop that I use to enter notes and make update. Have you found a system that works well for you, and what do you suggest? And any suggestions you have for keeping up with case documentation so it doesn't pile up would be greatly appreciated. Okay. In a way, I get why you are equating this to medicine, but I always thought medicine was the slowest field to evolve, but apparently maybe we're the second slowest because we've actually been electronic for quite some time. The government basically issued a directive a number of years ago that said you had better use an electronic health record if you want kind of the maximum reimbursement rates from the government. And so most larger health systems at least have gone ahead and gone to electronic health records. There are really strict rules around privacy when it comes to patient data, which means that I never would have like a document for a patient just kind of sitting on my laptop. It all goes into a very secure system called the electronic medical record. I personally have really only used Epic, which is probably the most commonly used electronic health record in the United States. And it does a great job of being kind of an automatic to-do list slash very complex filing cabinet. I'm not saying that everybody who uses Epic loves it, but it does serve its purpose in terms of kind of making sure that loose ends don't fall through the cracks, especially if you, like me, are very dedicated to making sure inbox stays pretty. And I really, really try to get it to inbox zero from a clinical standpoint every Friday before I kind of finish for the weekend. So I guess all of this is to say that I'm not sure I have as many valuable tips for you as you might think, but I'm wondering if there are sort of legal inbox type of programs where, you know, there are electronic files and you have to do tasks kind of hanging in the balance that you can see and cleared out and kind of linked to each file. I have to believe there's something like that for law. And so I am including this question first because I have a feeling we might have some other savvy attorneys which have experience with these kinds of systems or who have ideas of how they might use existing systems like perhaps Trello or other electronic types of programs to deal with this um, huge avalanche of data. So 
best of luck. I do keep all of the clinical specifics about patients out of my planner. I don't really check off like, you know, I've seen this patient. I do have little empty blank boxes that I just for my own personal satisfaction, like to check off when I finish a note, but they're completely unlabeled. They're just little boxes um, uh, that basically stand for how many patients I'm seeing in that given clinical session. Um, And that's pretty much it in terms of what goes in my planner. Otherwise, it'll just say work. And I put a little bar along the schedule line that just shows the hours that I'm seeing patients. So I agree with you. This is not necessarily a task for your paper planning system. There probably is dedicated software out there. And I would definitely spend some time looking into what might be the best match for the type of work that you do. And again, call to my wonderful listeners, if there are ideas from the law field, um, or maybe even the software field, if there are things that apply, please get them to this listener, because that's a great question and sounds like something that's going to be very important for you going forward now that you have gone paperless. All right, question number two, completely on the lighter side of things, although still extremely important. This comes from Amanda, who asks, what is your meal planning process like? So meal planning and shopping is typically kind of part of my weekly review checkoff list. And if you remember, I went through my entire weekly review in an episode where I talk about the things I really like to have done before I begin the start to a new week. And meal planning is one of them because it's just not something I want to think about on Wednesday, like, oh my God, what are we going to eat tonight? I know there are some people who really don't like the lack of spontaneity that comes with putting on your calendar what's for dinner each night. But for me, it's a very reassuring thing. And I can't imagine stopping doing it. I've been doing it for a really long time. I think even before we had kids, um, I had some semblance of a meal plan created over the weekend for the coming weeks. So I don't see myself stopping. There are a lot of beautiful, um, as an aside, meal planning pads and planners and products that you can use. I currently have one. Um, I think I have one from Bloom Paper Company. And then I have another one. I think it's from Rifle Paper Company. They're both really lovely. And they have like, you know, the days of the week. And I, I usually do this thing where I fold it over and put the shopping list on the on the other side. And I will choose all the recipes for a given week and then, you know, make my shopping list accordingly, especially during the pandemic. I love to limit our shopping to once a week. I find that we are we spend less when we don't go as often to the grocery store. So um, that helps keep the budget in check as well. Although nobody should look to me at how to improve your grocery budget because we're, we're fairly terrible. So <laughs> on that side of the spectrum. But anyway, usually I will use a combination of go-to recipes that I know my kids like. Some of my favorite cookbooks are the Dinner Illustrated Cookbook that comes from America's Test Kitchen, as well as the Run Fast, Eat Slow cookbooks that are by Shaleen Flanagan and Elise Kopecky. And I'll usually have those next to me and maybe a recent episode of Real Simple. Plus, I have a few blogs that I follow that have great meal plans. There's one called Lag Live. It's laglive.blogspot.com. And she just usually posts what the family's eating for the week. And I often get great ideas from there. I also was recently introduced to the How Sweet Eat blog, which has weekly meal plans. And she has just about a million ideas. I could probably plan my entire month or year of meals based on ideas from her blog. So, you know, I'll sit there with those resources. It takes usually about 20 minutes and I'll make my list and kind of have the plan together for the week. On weeks that I'm really together, I'll also write that down on our family's whiteboard because my kids do kind of like to see what's for dinner. They'll get excited if they see like that there's taco night. 
And I will say that we are a family that embraces the idea of leftovers, which means that instead of having to, you know, think about five meals during the week, um, the weekdays, we only think about usually three, something for Monday, something for Tuesday and Wednesday, and then something for Thursday and Friday. I'm also not above going super simple for a night or two, something like, you know, frozen ravioli or frozen pizzas with cut up vegetables. So yeah, that is currently how our meal process is. I do physically go to the store most weeks these days, although we were in quarantine for a bit and I experimented with the Whole Foods delivery through Amazon and it was it was quite convenient. So I could imagine doing a combination of things. By the way, for those who tried delivery in the past and found that there was like hideous amounts of packaging that seems to have changed. Um, our, our orders now arrive just in regular paper bags. Um, and I much appreciated that because it made me really sad when they were using like all this kind of insulated wrap. I'm like, nobody does this when they go to the grocery store. We don't need it. So, so that's great. All right. So we are going to take a quick break to introduce our episode sponsor and I will be right back. I'm so excited to welcome the very first sponsor of Best Laid Plans, Real Life Style. Is taking control of your wardrobe on your list of goals this year? Working from home is no excuse to stay stuck in a wardrobe that's not working for you. I personally feel so much more confident and carefree about my work wardrobe since I revamped it back in 2020 with Lonnie Inlander, the owner and chief stylist of Real Life Style. Lonnie gifted me her services as a thank you after she was a guest on my other podcast, Bets of Both Worlds. I'm forever indebted to her for introducing me to my favorite work top. And now you too can have a chance to work with Lonnie, a luxury personal stylist with over 20 years of experience. Wear Your Power is an on-demand e-course that will give you a new perspective on your style and a week of outfits you love. You can cross taking control of your style off your 2021 goals list in only four weeks. Best of all, Lonnie is offering BLP listeners an upgrade to a 30-minute Zoom call with her at the end of the course to get personalized style advice and ask her any questions you have. If you want to know more about how the process works, get inspired by the stories of two sisters' very different journeys, check out Lonnie's Wear Your Power e-course at www.real-life-style.com slash bestlaidplans. Don't forget to mention BLP or Best Laid Plans to upgrade to a 30-minute Zoom call with Lonnie at the end of the course. Whether your office, and yes, your home office counts too, dress code is business casual, business formal, or whatever goes, this course is right for you. Go to www.real-life-style.com slash bestlaidplans to get inspired. Again, that's www.real-life.style.com slash best laid plans. All right, we are back to the episode and we are up to question three that comes from Kayla. She says, I plan to take an extended paternity leave for about a year with the baby. My question or idea for a podcast topic is any advice or ideas you can give as far as how does planning go during this phase of life? I love planning and enjoy having a schedule, but also know that in a newborn phase of life, planning and schedules have to be really flexible. It's also just hard for me to picture what life will really feel like come April when the baby arrives. I would love to hear your thoughts on ways I could add some structure to my day while I'm in this new and unpredictable season of life while remaining open and flexible to changes that are inevitable. 
Oh, I love this question. Kayla, I think you sound very ready because you're right. It is just kind of a road that's like nothing else you've been through before. And there is an element of rolling with the punches that's going to have to happen. So I think accepting that before the facts is very healthy and smart. And you're right. Your planning style might need to change a bit. You're not going to be able to time block every moment when you're on maternity leave because your baby is not going to follow whatever time block schedule that you would like to put together for him or her. So flexibility is key. Whatever planning system you use, you might want to use one that doesn't have a ton of space to plan out what you're going to do on any given day. When I had my kids, both times I felt myself switching from daily systems to weekly systems and going really, really simple. During the days after I had Genevieve, I had been using a Hobonichi Techo cousin for like the three or four years prior, but I abruptly switched to an Erin Condren life planner because just having like little boxes for each day felt so much less overwhelming. And having the boxes, I could divide one box into a section completely dedicated to baby related stuff, and then just sort of have the other essentials on the other boxes. So I do think that paring down your planning style is probably a smart and realistic thing to do. At the same time, post-baby becomes a time that is a really nice time to celebrate the tiny things that you are able to do for yourself each day. So maybe your bar is really low. Like I'm going to read for five minutes. I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to, you know, go for a walk outside with my baby. Like that's a doable list. And at least if you're someone like me, writing those down so you can check them off can actually be a very healthy way to, I don't know, acknowledge these achievements because they count. Because a lot of times you'll get through the entire day and feel like, oh my God, nothing happened. Like, what am I doing? And you'll be able to look back and say, you know what? I am doing the things for myself that I set out to do and that will make you feel good. Finally, okay, so I'm not encouraging you to go crazy with stickers and spreads and elaborate setups, but post-baby is a lovely time to do some casual impromptu memory planning. It might be fun if it's easy to invest in one of those little sticker printers because being able to take little shots of the baby and just throw them in your planner might be such a fun way. Like I wish I had done that and I hadn't. And I guess it's not too late. I can do that with my bigger kids, but it, it just seems like a really lovely time to do that. And you could just scrawl a note that was like, you know, after baby's bath or like first time trying sweet potatoes. And then you'd be able to have your planner as a lovely keepsake as to things that, you know, what life was really like during that tumultuous time after your first baby. Maybe think about whether you want to incorporate some kind of fun memory planning aspect as maybe some form of self-care for yourself if you enjoy the planning process during your maternity leave. Question number four comes from Teresa. My question has to do with how you are using certain pages of your Wonderland 222 planner. I am curious about how you use the quarterly planning pages. I know you use a quintile system, so I'm wondering if you worked that out. Also, how are you using the review pages? Is there a spread that is helping you with that? Okay, so full disclosure, I haven't completely nailed down how I'm going to use the quarterly pages, but it doesn't really bother me that I use quintiles and those are quarterly because to me, the value of those quarterly pages is just having a cute little kind of 90 days at a glance. I love those little mini calendars and the, the graph paper on the other side to just track something else that isn't as easily trackable in other layouts. So for me, I'm going to try to use those pages to make sure that I get in my personal day every quintile and my date weekend or date night every quintile. 
And I'm using those boxes to put in the minutes of screen time, which is just something that I need to be aware of and it keeps me honest. So currently that's how I am using those pages, although I'm very behind and need to kind of fill out some prior days, even though it's only January 13th. So that's a little sad. But anyway, that is how I'm going to use those pages. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the review page, there is certainly no right way to use it. You could just draw a picture. I mean, you could do anything. You could put in a photo of something lovely that happened in that month. But for me, I made a section for habits, like how many days did I meet certain goals, a section for, you know, what big things did I achieve over the course of the month? I used one of the boxes on the left as a financial overview. I made another box as a fitness overview where I wrote down how many, you know, running workouts and how many strength training workouts. And then along the bottom, I had a highlight section of just the fun things that happened over the course of the month. So that is how I'm using those review pages. And I know they're fairly unique. You know, not every planning system comes with review pages, but this I thought I think is really cool because it's so easy to make goals and so common to forget to take time to acknowledge the wonderful things that you've accomplished and the successes that you've had, as well as what you might have learned from some failures. So I I really enjoy those review pages. So I definitely encourage you to try putting something in there. 
In addition, you know, a lot of us like to track different metrics, but don't have an easy answer to, well, when do we look at that tracking? If you know you're going to be including that in a monthly review, then you're, you know that you're going to look at it at least once in a month and might use that data moving forward. So another reason that you might want to consider using review pages. The next, well, this isn't really a question. This is more of a comment from Emily, but I thought it was so valuable that I wanted to share. She writes, longtime reader and podcast listener, you mentioned in a recent episode wanting to be better about managing questions for the podcast. Yes, you are right, Emily. I just wanted to suggest a system that I use for something similar that you might like. I have been a long-term fan of Todoist. One of my favorite features is that I can forward emails from my email to any Todoist project, and it creates a task for it. A possible way to manage questions would be to forward emails with questions to Todoist. Then they're in a task list, and you can check the task as done when you've answered the question. This would be a great way to make clear where the questions are, when they're done, and what's still to be done. That also allows you to get them out of your email. I saw this and was like, Bam! <laughs> That's it. I currently have them in notes, um, but I am going to transition to this because the thing with notes is that I have to, you know, put in, I either have to delete them or I have to move them to a used thing and it feels kind of cumbersome. The idea that I could just check it off and then kind of have a collection and see which ones are undone and the fact that I could just easily forward them and then sort them there, that just seems so seamless to me. And I'm sure there are other listeners to this podcast who enjoy Todoist. It is an app for task management. I think I tried it once many years ago and then quickly abandoned it because I felt like paper was easier. But I can see how this would be a wonderful use of that app. So I'm going to try it out just for this. All right. And now we have the last question, kind of an overarching question that maybe some of you have wondered about. And I don't know that I have an easy answer, but I'm going to try as best I can. This comes from Catherine. She writes, I have a random question for you. You mentioned you are a physician and have three little ones and also, of course, run your podcast and blog. My question is, how are you able to fit it in? Your career, podcast, blog, child rearing, home life, etc. I have two kids ages two and four and another baby on the way. I'm an attorney, but I currently am taking a break from work to take care of my kids. I'm thinking about my path to reentry and it seems very challenging to work full-time or even part-time right now. If you don't mind sharing, I would love to know. Well, I definitely don't mind sharing you know, that question, can you do it all? Like, I don't think the answer to that is is yes. I definitely don't do it all. I think that's probably the first thing I will mention. But I also feel like my number one answer to your question is childcare, childcare, childcare. I do have a full-time nanny. I am lucky to have a full-time nanny and she is wonderful. And she also takes care of a lot of housework now because my kids are older and um, a little older than yours, at least my older ones are. And so they're in school for most of the day. And so she is able to help with things around the house. So that is a huge, huge number of tasks that I don't spend time doing that a lot of stay-at-home parents are doing. And I'm not saying one is right and one is not right. But if you're asking me how I get this stuff done, well, that's the answer. I don't really do the laundry. I don't do a lot of our cooking. I do do the meal planning as noted as above, but um, our nanny actually helps with the, the meal making in most cases during the week. I don't have super high standards for things like home decor. I actually would say I have rather low standards. (laughs) We have a lot of Ikea furniture that we don't put any effort into really replacing. The only thing I care about is whether things are fairly organized and I work on decluttering, but I definitely don't care if things look Pinterest perfect around here. And I think that saves a lot of time. I also work 0.9 FTEs, which I recognize is a little bit unusual. 
I made that choice because 0.9 FTEs is considered FTEs is considered full time in my institution, so I still get full time benefits, but it's 36 hours. And so what that really translates to is I get a free day off every other week. And I schedule those days in. And you know, you mentioned things like the podcast. It does take some time, but actually, if episodes are batched, you can easily get three or four episodes done in a half day. And then there you have about a month's worth of content. So once you've gotten fairly good at something like podcasts, or I don't know about good, but efficient at something like podcasting, if you know you have some extra time, you can kind of structure that time accordingly and get it done. It's something that I love to do as well. So this to me is kind of like leisure time. I don't have that many hobbies outside of the things like the blog and the podcast, which yes, are sort of quasi jobs because they do earn a little bit now, but are also something that I just really, really love doing. For example, my blog is something I've had since 2004. So we're going on 17 years this year. Posting is just reflexive for me. I truly enjoy getting up early, getting my cup of coffee, doing my morning routine. And one of the things I do in my routine is to write a blog post. At this point in writing for so many years, and because my posts are pretty casual, it only takes me 20 to 30 minutes most of the time. Maybe one day the spirit will move me and I'll write a little bit more, and that's okay because then I'm enjoying that and I'm getting into the flow. But again, it's something that's important to me. It doesn't take long, and just over the accumulation of years has become something that might seem like it takes a lot of time, but I don't know. The time just kind of works for me. I am also, as you might imagine, quite crazy about scheduling and prioritizing. And I'm not afraid to say no if somebody asks me something, especially if it's short notice um, and if it just doesn't fit in to the things I had planned, if the things I had planned are important. I um, multitask when it's practical. For example, today is one of those days off for my 0.9 FTE and I'm recording this morning. And then as soon as I'm done recording this episode, I have to take my daughter to the orthodontist. But while she's there, I am going to be working on some other work that I have to do for this coaching course that I'm taking, which is for work. But um, anyway, like I kind of already have in my mind, like, okay, while she's doing that, I'm going to do that. I don't like to multitask when it's going to take away from the quality of the work. For example, um, if I'm watching a seminar, I don't want to be processing my email because then I'm probably not getting much out of anything and I'm probably going to send something dumb or do things inefficiently. But when it's practical, like I'm sitting waiting somewhere, then I can get stuff done. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, and I don't watch very much TV. I do have a few shows that I enjoy, but I'd say I watch like maybe two episodes per week of something, which does add up to something. I watched, you know, several series in their entirety in 2020, but it's just, you know, not an every night kind of thing. And if I do watch, it's just one show. I go to bed early. Um, Like basically I put my kids to bed by around 8.45. I'm trying to be out of their room. And then I do my skincare and I read in bed and I'm usually like in bed by 9.30 so that I can get up. At around five and kind of start my day. So that's my answer. Um, if you want to enjoy some hobbies and have a career and have a lot of kids, you do need a hefty amount of childcare and perhaps some additional help. That has worked for me. I really enjoy my life and I wouldn't have it any other way. And I still feel close with my kids. I feel like I get enough time with, with my kids and they seem pretty happy. So yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. 
So thank you so much. This has been a fun Q&A episode. I have so many more questions in my queue, so I can't wait for some future Q&As. Next week, I will be bringing you a really fun review. It is a planner. I know the year has already started, but maybe you're looking for an adjunct planner or something to use for more goal setting. And so I guess that's your hint. You will see what I have for you next week. In the meantime, you can find me at theshoebox.com, C-T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, or of course on Instagram at shoebox underscore plans and the underscore shoebox. Oh, I forgot to mention one other thing that saves time with podcasting is that I do not do any of the post-production. I just send in the raw tracks and have a company that helps me with that. That is why you guys were so lovely and responded to my call for sponsorships. And I am able to kind of make this a cost-neutral endeavor as of now um, if I have some sponsorships. So sorry, I wanted to add that in 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 terms of the time-saving related to podcasting. Okay, I think that's it. Enjoy your Monday. Have a wonderful week if you're listening to this on schedule. And I will be back next week with more fun planning content. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.